It is good to be back in the house of the Lord. I got to kind of find out how the other half lives. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I've been ready to be back for about two months, and um, I haven't been able to come back uh, because my wife said no. We are committed to this, and uh, the Lord has uh, has uh, lead, led us and guided us and been a part of our lives. We, I have a pickup truck now. What are you doing up here? You coming up here and making faces at me? Is this what you've been doing for three months, making faces at people? When's Michael coming back? <laughs> That's, that was what you were waiting for, that, I'm sure. Well, well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, I have missed this church terribly. I've missed this family terribly. I saw Asher the other night when I was picking up um, Emily from youth group, and he said, well, you're like a ghost. There's people, they see you here, and they see you there. Where was he? Oh, he's now, he's now. He's not, but uh, it was a time of refreshment. Uh, I have a pickup truck now, which I've, I don't know how in the world I got along without a pickup truck for 51 years. My, I, I uh, got rid of one of my daughters. And she keeps coming back. I gained a son. Praise the Lord. It's really exciting. What a great, uh, what a great uh, summer it has been. But the truth is this, the preaching team's been awesome. Um, Jay and Jake, Trendon, Trendon, Ashley, Michael, Eric. I thought about coming up with some jokes to, to kick it off, but I thought, no, Eric's got that done. He, that's, that's his deal. Hasn't it been cool, though? Um, just different personalities that come out um, in each of them, and uh, I have, honestly, I've gotten no calls, no emails uh, from any bad behavior, so thank you very much for that, and as well uh, as none of the preaching team reached out to me and said, hey, what should I take on this and that, and, and uh, that's just, you know, that's an example of the Lord uh, and his faithfulness to this body and this family of raising up leaders uh, I don't like people coming to me and telling me how to preach a particular sermon. I trust that uh, the Lord is speaking to the hearts of those who have been called to his service and specifically to his word. And uh, I believe that every message has been from the Lord uh, specifically for this body and uh, thankful for that. Amen. Um, if you haven't already, I'm sure many of you have, but if, if you haven't already, uh, please go to the team uh, individually and thank them for their service and for uh, their commitment to the Lord. Uh, amen. So with that, let's open up his word. Let's see, I've got about two hours of material here, and I'm excited to be back. I got three months of buildup in me. Uh, honestly, I did tell Jake to uh, not preach this sermon because I felt like this one needed to come from the top. So do you have your big boy? Does everybody have their big boy pants on today? If you don't, you need to either put them on right now or leave. <laughs> Matthew chapter 8. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs, met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs, and he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. <clears throat> Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, God, we have worshipped you. You are worthy of our praise and worship. Our commitment is to you and to your word. And so, Father, I just pray that this message would be 
applicable to each and every one of us that we would leave here um, challenged, but that much more committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we pick up where we left off two weeks ago here in Matthew. Uh, Jesus and his disciples have sailed across the Sea of Galilee, and they come to the other side, as Matthew puts it, to the region of the Gadarenes. <clears throat> now, this is another one of those passages that is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you've been here for a while, um, I like to say this makes this a very, very important passage. And what I mean by that is if the Bible says it, we believe it, and that settles it, right? Okay. But when it says the same thing multiple times, it's as if the Bible is saying, hey, you need to pay particular interest to this. It emphasizes this point to us. But there are some differences in the account, and the first is found in the description of where this takes place. <clears throat> so Matthew says it's in the region of the Gadarenes. Mark says it's the region of the Gerasenes. And then Luke says the region of the Gerasenes as well. So um, that, that's a, a difference that requires a, well, no, wait a second, can't they get their story straight? Well, I've got a couple of maps up here because I like maps and so do you. And you can see, uh, notice on this first one here on, the, on your left, it says the Gerasene region. Okay, so, so that would be more of a, of a description of a bigger uh, area. So, for example, we live in the town of Clayton, uh, but our, our address is Nina. Uh, so when someone is coming to the house uh, to do some work or something, I might say, well, here's my address. It's in Nina, Wisconsin, 54956. It's actually the town of Clayton. So um, I, I believe what Luke and Mark are doing, and, and you'll see in that second map, you see Gerasa, Gergasa, Gergisa, however you want to say that. And then Gadara down at the bottom, these are all just, uh, these are specific cities in a region. Uh, there's a picture here of modern day uh, that will give you a, 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 an idea of what this looks like. I think the, the picture here is dated 2002. So notice the cliffs. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. These cliffs, this rocky area, uh, would actually make sense for uh, this particular passage because the rocks would create natural tombs. If we look further, the, the next difference and the major uh, one I would point out to you here, Matthew chapter 28 says, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. Mark and Luke both say a man. Mark says a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Luke says he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. So, um, we have to be very careful as we're reading God's word uh, to not get stumbled or stuck in some of the differences between these two. Uh, and you really need to check your attitude, check your heart, um, because just like you and I might go to a ball game or might go to a concert or even come to, to this church, you might, I, I promise you, some of you, I'm going to say some things in a few minutes that you're going to latch hold of. And you're going to leave here challenged. And some of you might leave here so challenged that you heard nothing more than one thing that I said. And so to come up to you and your spouse or you and your friend or whatever and say, so how was the service today? You might say, well, he said this. And the other person might say, well, but he also said this. And you might say, well, I didn't even hear that. And so the same thing can happen here. Mark and Luke were not even eyewitnesses. Matthew is to this. Um, so it's with that backdrop we can look at the rest of the story. I want to point out four things. The demon, the Lord, the people, and the man. First, the demon. This is the first interaction that Matthew records for us between Jesus and a demon. However, in Mark, Luke, Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4, 
there is a previous interaction that is the same uh, recording that Matthew does not have. And we're not going to take a whole lot of time with this, but I do want uh, to look at it because I believe it's worth a glance. Mark chapter 1, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently, came out of him with a shriek. People were amazed, so amazed, that they asked each other, what is this a new teaching? And with authority. Luke chapter 4, he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching. Look at it again. His words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. A couple of points to pull from this. First is the key word, and that is authority. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. If he is the Messiah, the Son of God, then he will have the authority of God. And we've seen that over the last few weeks as we've looked at Matthew chapter 7 and 8. He has shown his authority over the physical as he has healed people. He's shown his authority over the natural, as we saw two weeks ago, as he calmed the storm. He has authority over Satan and his schemes. We saw that in Matthew chapter 4 as he stood against temptation. And here in this passage in chapter 8, Jesus is showing his, his authority in the spiritual realm as he commands the demon to leave the man. If Jesus is the Messiah, which he is, he will have all authority. Second point that I, I want to make here and this isn't in the passage in Mark chapter 8, but it is here, and I believe it to be very important. Notice where the demon is. Where is this demoniac? He's in the synagogue. He's in church. He's in the body of the church of that day. You have to understand that there is a spiritual world that is every bit as real as the natural world, and we may not see it, but that doesn't make it not real and not very important. I don't know that, well, let me rephrase, we need not be afraid of it. We don't need to be afraid of it, but we do need to be aware of it. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light it is not surprising then that his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. And I've taught on this in the past. I find it very interesting that throughout the entire Old Testament, you will not find this kind of demonic record. You will not find this kind of recorded demonic activity. There are a couple of references, two references, in the book of 1 Samuel where Saul, King Saul, one is being tormented by a, a, a spirit. Um, and you may remember that passage when David comes and plays his harp and settles him down. Um, it also says in another place that he had a harmful spirit come upon him. Then in Acts, there are two times, um, twice there's an episode with a demon-possessed person coming onto the scene. So this kind of behavior is really out of the ordinary. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus has come to live on this earth, and this earth is ruled by Satan himself. And so it's like they spring into action. Isn't that interesting? Does that mean that they weren't around before or after or today? Not at all. In fact, they're everywhere. They rule and reign here. They just don't want to show themselves. 
Why would they? You see, they're all just masking around, looking like servants of righteousness. They prefer to fly under the radar, hiding, scheming, lying. Move along, move along. Nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Everything's just fine. Because if you saw this guy coming out of the tombs, what would we do? We'd go the other way. There's a lot to see there. I don't want any part of it. But that doesn't help the cause of Satan, does it? You see, he masks himself. Hey, what's wrong with this guy who thinks he's a girl? That sounds like a you problem, not a him problem or her problem. I think you're just a bigot. I think you're, you've got a phobia. You're just a phobia. You know, you should accept them. God accepts them because God created them. If God created them and God just wants us to be happy, doesn't God just want us to be happy and we should be happy, and if he created this person that way, he ought to know, and so, you know, you need to just accept them. We're just accepting of everyone here. Whatever color of the rainbow that you think you are or want to be today, it's totally fine. We will accept you just the way you want us to accept you, because that's what God would want. We have to take care of the animals out there, so we must make straws out of cardboard. I mean, who doesn't care about the animals of the world? <laughs> I told you this was going to be a... Spiritual world is very real. So why aren't there more references to it in the Bible? I'll give you a couple of thoughts here. First, we need to be aware of the dangers of the schemes of the devil. I mean, if it was this hot and heavy all the time, we would know it when we saw it, wouldn't we? But he lulls us to sleep. And he uses logic, or he uses our, worse yet, our heart. Because your heart would never betray you. Just to be true to your emotions. Second is this, Jesus is walking on this earth doing ministry for this three-year period of time, and that's it. You ever poke a hornet's nest? We had a guy doing some work at our house this summer, and, uh, and one of his projects was to take all of these, this firewood and move it from this stack over to that stack, and he grabbed hold of a, of a piece of firewood that had a hornet's nest under, wasp nest underneath it, underneath it. And guess what happened? They were asleep until he woke them up. And that's what's happened here. Jesus walking on the earth, and he's just... They don't know what to do about it. Wow! Now, of all these references... Uh, all of the references, pardon me, in the Gospels of demon possession. This story is by far the most graphic. And so as we look at it, it can give us some insight into demonic activity that is around us. And I'll give you seven specific characteristics that you need to be aware of. The first is this. There's a fascination with unclean things. This man lived in tombs. Matthew says he coming, he's coming out of the tombs to meet him. Mark says he lived in the tombs. And you saw that picture, uh, maybe pop it up there again. That picture shows where very logically those tombs probably were. And of all the detestable things to the Jewish people, touching a dead body would have been at the top of the list of detestable things. This guy lived with dead bodies. Okay? And we have to be aware of the things that we expose our lives to, the things that we allow into our homes, 
the things that we ex- uh, allow into our minds, the things that we expose parents, our children to, or allow. What do you binge on? You know, binging is now a verb, just like Google. You binge on something, right? And some things are obvious. TV shows, movies, a great place to start. The most obvious one that came to mind, there's a show out there, 11 seasons. It's called The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. And 11 seasons wasn't enough because there's a new version of it. And get this, it's called, I think there's two seasons now, Walking Dead, The World Beyond. Now, please don't walk out of here saying, well, Pastor Steve said we shouldn't watch Walking Dead anymore. That's actually super good counsel. (laughs) The point is this. Think with your brain. What in the world are you allowing into your mind? What does darkness have to do with light? I mean, duh. What you put in is what will come out. Second, they have a perversion about them. Look at this. Luke chapter 8. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes. Let me just say this. Clothes are good. (laughs) Clothes are good. Anytime the Bible refers to nakedness, it is referring to something perverted or some type of abomination. That is a truth, except for within the boundaries of marriage. When Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they noticed? They were naked. What was the first thing God did for them? He covered their nakedness. The Bible talks a lot about modesty in your attire, and I know we live in a culture that is accepting of many things, but some things don't change. And we live, remember, we don't live culture up. We live God down, right? And I'm not talking about being, you don't have to be Wanda Wallflower or Penny Plain or Ben Boring. But the truth is there are some clothes that accentuate or expose parts of your body or not. And the Bible's clear that we need to be mindful of what we wear. We saw this in detail last October in, Second Tim- in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Third, they have a supernatural strength. Mark says no one could bind them anymore, not even with a chain, for he often had been chained hand and foot. He tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, I have never personally been in a setting where there was a demonic um, an interaction with someone who was um, coming at me in this way. Uh, I have heard many stories about that. Perhaps you have. Perhaps you have heard stories as well. But just, just maybe to make this applicable, because I don't know that that would be common, um, how about the emotional strength of people who are against godliness or righteousness. There's an emotional strength. We can go back to summer of 2020 and we look at the rioting and, and all of the, the abomination that, ha, that, that went on that was celebrated and, and completely no regard to consequences. It's still going on today. That is nothing less than clear indication of spiritual infused, spiritually infused strength. You ever been in a battle at work? That, I mean, clearly this person is in the wrong, but they are coming at you with a ferocity and a a strength that is intimidating. They won't back down. They're right. It's my way or the highway. Let me tell you something. That is a demonic spirit if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm 
Just telling you right now. Does that mean they're possessed by a demon? No. But, but and, and we don't have time to completely unpack this today, so, uh, uh, but we will look at it again in, in more depth on, on Wednesday. So I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. Um, listen, I've faced people that were absolutely spiritually infused. It was not natural. It was supernatural, and they were incredibly strong. And I'll say this. Every single time at work that that has happened to me, as I have chosen with God's help to just stand, they have gone away, and, it has, and no harm has been done to me. And I believe that's by the grace of God, you know, we have the authority in him. I don't have to give in to that. I don't have to be intimidated by that. God has spoken, and I believe God. The God whose I am and whom I serve has spoken, and I believe God. I don't have to say anything more than that. I have to face him. We saw that back in the, in the spring. Remember that? Fourth, they're violent. Kind of goes hand in hand here. They were so violent, no one could pass their way. What do you think makes a mass murderer or a serial killer? It's more than just their dad never said they loved them and their mom didn't hold them as a baby. It is demonic. And you could make a strong case for demonic possession. This is a demoniac acting violently. They have a tendency towards self-harm. Mark chapter 5, verse 5, night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Demons hate humanity. They hate God. They hate God's creation. And ultimately, they want to hurt and cause pain to their victims. Sixth, their own personality is suppressed and the demon takes over. Mark chapter 5, Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. My name is Legion, for we are many. A legion in the Roman army would be anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 men. So the implication here is that this man or these men were possessed by many different Demons. This is not uncommon even today with reports of people that have come across a, an interaction with someone who is demonized that it, it is a different voice, it is different voices, it is different names coming out, different personalities coming out. Now let, let me tiptoe out here on the, on the plank. What do we deal, what do we face with today in our culture? of people who are claiming to be something that they're not. This transgender movement is nothing short of demonic activity. It is not natural. It is supernatural. And I'm not saying that anyone who struggles in this area is possessed by a demon. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this, that it is way more of a spiritual problem than it is anything else. Anytime you want to take over, Jake, you can come up here. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The way our society is propping these people up, especially parents. Let me just say this. Parents, you will answer for how you raise your children. And let me tell you something, you will answer for it in this life. Some of you, sadly, are believers today and you weren't raising your children and you're paying the price for it. And, and praise God that we live in an area of uh, uh, a, a season of grace. We live in a, in, in, um, under the new covenant, praise God. And, and my heart hurts for those of you who are dealing with that. Uh, and we pray earnestly for you. But I'm t I'll talk to the young parents in the room. You need to hide this in your heart because you will answer for it. I mean, parents that are encouraging their children in this, 
man, they are opening up the door to a supernatural world that they cannot control. Some scholars have suggested that this spirit may have been trying to intimidate Jesus with the sheer number, but he was not intimidated. And we don't need to be intimidated by that. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You, greater is he who's in you than he's in the world. Seventh and finally, they're doctrinally sound. And this is really, really a tough deal for us. But you see an example of this. I love this example. Mark chapter 5. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? Look at it. Son of the Most High God. Verse 6 says, he, he, When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees. What was he doing? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. He can't help but to worship him. He's right there. He knows exactly what's going on. That's what they face. And they know if you're a believer. And that's why sometimes at work, that's why sometimes at home, so sad, you feel like the battle is coming at you so fiercely because it's a spiritual battle that's coming at you I was in a conversation with somebody the other day that's coming out of a really tough battle, and I said, you know what? I think we don't pay. We, we give way more uh, credence. We give way more weight to the battle coming at us. We don't give near enough of the battle that's being fought for us. Let's look at the Lord. Verse 32, Matthew chapter 8, he said to them, Go. And so they went. <laughs> Jesus has the authority in every realm, including the spiritual realm. But Jesus has compassion. And I want you to hear that today. If you get stuck on some things, please, please grab hold of this. Jesus has compassion for all people. There's no one that he did not die for to set free. He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. It's the sick that need deliverance. It's the sick that need my help. It's the sinner that needs forgiveness, salvation, redemption. Next chapter, we'll see verse 35, Matthew chapter 9. When he went to all the towns and villages, he taught in their synagogues. He proclaimed the good news. He healed every disease and sickness. And he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, you must be careful. You read this passage and you think, 2,000 pigs? I mean, what about the pigs? <laughs> Don't fall for that. If Jesus died for pigs, it'd be in the Bible. But it's not. I mean, I actually looked up this in studying. There, there's actually a theological term for this. Um, it, it's, I'm sure it's hard for the layperson to understand. It's called a mass suicide. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It's actually called a swine dive. <clears throat> How about this one? Um, no, 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 no. What do I say, Mike? If we can laugh together, we can get serious together. Um, one commentary did say the mass was an indication of just how powerful this was. 
and, and going to the pigs and seeing that happen. Maybe one thing to deliver someone and see the after effect. It's another thing to see those demons flee to these animals and these animals all flee and kill themselves. There's no denying the power, the mass of it, the amount of it, coupled with the life change. It's really incredible. Final point here about the Lord is this. Um, it's how Jesus delivered them. You know, sometimes we feel like we got to have, the, you know, so I say to our prayer team, hey, you know what? Just use regular words. You don't have to quote Isaiah. Nobody understands it anyway. You don't have to keep, speak King James. Nobody talks like that. What does Jesus say? Go. Boom. Just get out of here. We don't need fancy religious words. It intimidates people and it turns them off. My shoulder hurts. Well, Lord, we know you heal. I'm praising God for the healing that is taking place in my shoulder right now. Praise God. Man, that, that'll move the hand of God. Just like whatever else you can think of that you read. We have that same authority. Jake talked about it last week. We've talked about it in the last... We have the authority. Jesus said in the Great Commission, sadly, we don't, we don't include this near enough. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go with that authority and change the world. That's how they did it, with the authority of Jesus Christ. Third, the people... Those tending pigs ran off, and they went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Mark says the people pled with Jesus to leave their region. Luke says they asked him to leave and so he left. Look what the demon says in, in verse 10 in Mark chapter 5. He begged Jesus again and again, look at it, not to send them out of the area. Why do you think the demon said that? Maybe because there was a culture there where demons were comfortable. I mean, pig's detestable. You got a pig farm. That, that, that in itself should give you a clue of what's going on there. I said it earlier. You open yourself up to the things in the demonic spiritual world with what you watch, with what you listen to, with what you read, with what you play. What are you watching on TV? What movies do you own? Do you download? I'll just give you an example. I am a big fan of the Godfather movies. And my dad came over to our house one time. I think we were on the Delaware Street house, so this was right after my, we'd been married three, four years. And dad was looking at my library of movies, and he pointed to those three. He said, Steve, you might as well just open up a sewer and run it right through the middle of your house. What do you say to that? No, I'm not. You say, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking. We have to be challenged by this. What do you, parents, what are you allowing your kids to spend time on? What games do they play? Because let me tell you something. I've watched, I've watched. My son is just as addictive personality as I am. And when we got him an Xbox, I to pull, and we were homeschooling at that time. He'd get his homework done and half a day for the whole week. And I'm like, you can't just spend the rest of the week playing Madden. And we never bought, I mean... We're, we're, we kind of chuckle about this sometimes. Um, we didn't let them watch certain cartoons. We didn't let them watch. We didn't go to certain movies. 
that even if it was Disney, especially now. I mean, they're, they're sneak, they're sneaky. You need to be wise as serpents and innocent. And, and you know, we, we, we kind of chuckle at this stuff. Well, you know, you never let us watch that. Well, you know what? You were six. You watch it now, you're 24. Well, you know what? You're on your way. Oh. And you don't, you don't care anymore. Lauren, you're married. We're done. <laughs> Zach, she's your responsibility. <laughs> hour after hour, day by day, week by week, you have an opportunity to, to make a comfortable home for a dark spiritual realm. Pastor Justin, a few weeks ago, quoted Isaiah chapter 5. He said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Welcome to the United States of America. That's what we're living in right now. And we have to be aware of it. We don't have to be afraid of it. I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm, I'm saying this because it's next up in line, but also because it's critically important that our eyes are open to the, the dangers of this world. Aren't you glad you came back? Aren't you glad I'm back? I'll, I'll add this one so everybody gets an opportunity here. Um, you can open yourself up to demonic spiritual world by your actions and your attitudes. What you say, what you think, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger do not sin and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Does that mean that anger is demonic? Uh, we could probably drill to China on that. I'm certainly not saying if you're angry you're possessed by a demon. And nor am I if you're bitter. My point is this, in the same way that entertainment that we feed on can open us up to demonic influence, the thoughts that you feed on do the same thing. It can control you. And as my dad would say, that's a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Now, I find this interesting that the parallel passage uh, in, my, in both Mark and Luke come immediately after the parable of the soils. And Mark doesn't get, or Matthew doesn't get to that till uh, chapter 13. You know, there's the, the hard soil and there's the rocky soil and there's the weedy soil and then there's the, the good soil that, that's 30, 60, 100 times. So you got six different soils. I find, I find it very interesting that this passage and those two come immediately after he taught that. Because as, as we allow things that can dull us, that can, that can put us to sleep, it's like we're putting weeds in our soil. We can, we can create a, a rocky type, a clay-like type of infertile soil in our heart. In his book, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis writes this, you'll say these things are very small sins. Doubtless, like all young tempters, you're anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness. This is the devil talking to one of his minions. It doesn't matter how small the sin is, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. It's a gentle slope. It's the soft underfoot. Without sudden turnings or milestones, no signpost. I say this not to scare you. I'm personally convicted and stirred and concerned by this passage. My prayer is that it stirs us as a family This town became so comfortable with sin that the people of this town would rather have had 
a demon-possessed man who no one could pass than to have Jesus. Unbelievable. And ever the gentleman, Jesus says, okay. Okay. And as far as the Bible says, he never set foot in this town again. That's why it's so important when we're challenged by the word of God, we don't say, we don't try to excuse it, we don't try to candy coat it, and we don't try to do anything other than embrace it because the salvation is today. Now is the time. And if you hear the Spirit's voice, don't what? Harden your heart. Let it penetrate. Let it do what only it can do. The worship team can come. We will finally see this man. Matthew doesn't tell us what happened to the men other than this comment. It says, those tending the pigs ran off and went into the town and reported all this, including what happened to the demon-possessed men. But Mark and Luke both give us a powerful statement. As Jesus is getting on the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus didn't let him. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. The, the region of the Gadarenes, which we saw in those maps, um, a, a little bit broader is what they call the Decapolis, which was 10, Deca meaning 10, 10 different cities on that side of the Sea of Galilee. Luke says, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and he told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. I make no excuses for it. I said some very counterculture things today. Some things just need to be said. But you have to realize that this man desperately needed Jesus. He desperately needed Jesus. And we are surrounded by people who need the Lord. We don't need to be afraid of the culture. If anything, that should make us more compassionate toward people who need him. And they want to be delivered. I mean, you don't see this guy saying, no, no, put the demons back in me. He begs him to go with him. Can take me with you because these people are not my people. You've set me free. There's no one who's been set free. If you're in here and you've been set free of something, none of you want to go back to who you used to be. It was the demons that wanted to stay. I mean, tell you, I, I, listen, the people that desperately need God, that have a spiritual, a, a demonic influence... Let's just at least say that. If there's one thing we can take from this, it's, it's not them coming at us. It's not them saying, get away from me. It's not them saying, I don't need your Jesus. It's the spirit that's, that's moving around inside them. And I'm not going to get into possession and oppression, all that stuff. Come Wednesday night, we can talk a little bit more about that. But, but we can at least settle on, man, there's spiritual 
infusion all around us. But let me also say this. You can't cure them. I can't deliver them. That's not our job. Our job is to bring them to Jesus. Look again at Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Who did it? Jesus did. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he looked at his disciples. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus looks at you and says, you see this out here? You see this harvest? They're all around us. Problem is, the Christians want a war. They want to go to war. And they want to tell everybody why they're wrong. And really what they need to do is just bring them to me. So here's this man delivered from thousands of demons. No telling how long. We don't know his age. We don't know how long he's been like this. He's sitting here. I mean, you can imagine. He's begged Jesus, please take me with you. People don't want me here. I don't want to stay here. But Jesus says, no, no, no. You go home to your people. They know you. They'll see the difference. And you tell them. You tell them what I've done. You see, not everybody's called to vocational ministry. Very, very small percentage of people. I, th I can think of two families in this church that are vo in full-time vocational ministry. I'm not even one of them. But all of us are called to bear fruit and share the gospel. All of us are called to bear fruit and share the gospel and that's what this man did. The harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. And if we aren't willing to be the compassionate, loving, kind, and bringing people to Jesus' disciples, then he'll find somebody else to do it. That's what he did right here. These people rejected him. And so he said, okay, I'll take you. You be my disciple. This is the first missionary ordained by Jesus. Even before he sent the disciples, he found this guy. He delivered him and he sent him. And here's his story. I used to be a naked demoniac. And then I met Jesus. And he sent me free. Those are fancy words. Doesn't have to be fancy. Just has to be true. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you give us examples of people you have set free so that we can see your power and your authority. Thank you for looking past my sin, looking past my weakness, and just plucking me out and sending me on a mission, co-mission with you. It's a sobering message today. Very serious.
My prayer is that it stirs us as a body, as a family, to put our swords down, stop pointing fingers, but start extending hands. God forgave you. God delivered you. God saved you. And he needs you to be his hands and feet to the people that he's surrounded you by that don't yet know him. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you find yourself here today and some things I've said about what we're not supposed to do. You can think of people who've done that. They've not met you with compassion. They've not extended a hand. They've pointed a finger. They've drawn a sword. They've, they've attacked. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is here to help you, to lead you, to guide you, to deliver you, to save you, to forgive you. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul says. There's nobody perfect. It's not about perfection. It's not about being a good person. It's about being brought to life spiritually. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If you've never made that decision, you've, you've never prayed that prayer, or, or and, and God's speaking to you right now. You can swat away the things that perhaps were offensive, and you go directly to the, the heart of the matter a spiritual battle that's being waged right now. There's a call for salvation. And if that's you, I'd like to pray for you. The head's bowed and eyes closed. If there's somebody here, I can't think of a better thing to do on Labor Day weekend, Sunday morning, but to give your heart to the Lord. Surrender to his call on your life. Is anybody here today? I'd just like to pray for you. ask you this question, Christians in the room. Thank you. Praise God. That's awesome. Anybody else? That's, that's amazing. Praise God. How about this? You're far from him. You, you gave your heart to the Lord at one time, and, and just like I said, you've allowed things into your life. You, you're, you cannot honestly say, my relationship with the Lord today is where it needs to be. I've allowed things to, to get in between. And, and today is a day of repentance. And the same God that forgave you your sins at salvation is here to forgive, extend that forgiveness to things that you've allowed into your life. And, and maybe a little bit different prayer, but, but it's still a prayer of repentance. Is that you? I, can I pray for you? Praise God. That's amazing. Awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Could our prayer team come back up here? Jake and Krista, could you come up as well? We're going to take a few minutes just to you know, that there's something about putting feet to your faith. It's easy to raise your hand, and I, and I get that. I've been there. It, there's something different about taking a step. And this, is no, this isn't the altar. This isn't the temple. This isn't God's presence is among us. But there's something about taking a step towards 
him. It has a physical, it's a physical step, but it has a spiritual implication. And so I'd, I'd like to open up these altars as we, as we close the service today. And maybe for you, you your heart's right with the Lord, but the truth is you've allowed things into your family that you need to repent of. You need, you know what, God, that, that was directly for me. I've been lackadaisical with my kids or with, with my, my, my mind. I've opened the sewer up to the middle of my... God, I repent of that. And by your will, by your strength, I'm going to surrender these things to you. Can we stand to get together today? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for your boldness today. Your power, your presence is here. You're convicting us of things that we allow and and we're human and you love us you have compassion on us and we're so easily influenced by by a, a, a great case a heartfelt case but the truth is what the truth is and your Bible says it very clearly to us and so moments like this we need to take a step and say God I, I receive that and I, I lay this at your feet. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for your power and your presence to go before me and lead me and guide me. And so God, as people are walking, if that's you, you just go ahead and start walking up here. Find somebody, um, somebody up here that you can pray with. I confess my sins. I pray for your healing and your power in Jesus' name. Amen.